Coming at you with another episode of Wizards After Dark. I was not in Dallas for tonight's Wizards loss. I am home in D.C. I got an early flight in the morning, so this is going to be not a super long episode, but we're going to try to touch on as many uh, aspects of the game as we can. The Mavericks beat the Wizards 119-100. to The Wizards kind of made a run in the second half. They had a nice third quarter where they outscored Dallas by 12, but... Kind of fell apart again in the in the fourth quarter. They were down by 21 at the half. Defense was really poor. Otto Porter had 19 points on 12 shots. Uh, John Wall had 24 and 10, but I, I didn't think he was great by any means tonight, especially on the defensive end. Wes Matthews just killed them. He had five threes all in the first half. Uh, I'm talking to Tim Cato. I got him on the Skype line. Covers the Mavericks for... Uh, for us, for the athletic, I'm Fred Katz, by the way, and I cover the Wizards for the athletic. Mr. Cato, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm here in Dallas. It's uh, it's not DC, but uh, yeah, just hanging out. I'm in a weird little office closet thing uh, at the American Airlines Center, and it's um, it's fun. I think they have media guides dating back to 2006 in this room. It looks like. Well, I, I was just really disappointed that I didn't go to this one because I was so excited to make some kind of joke about flying from Dullis to Dallas. I was really pumped. That's that a very get to do it. Very Fred Katz joke. That's that's right right on right on your brand and I'm a little upset now that you didn't get to make it. Got to keep it hashtag on brand. You always do somehow. I, I was so pumped. I was so pumped that I may or may not have included it in a story about Dwight Howard today. Yeah, that sounds about right. There's like a 63% chance that happened. 69% if if, if we're keeping it Dwight Howard level. That's true. That that yeah. would be a very Dwight Howard likelihood. Let's let's keep it appropriately uh, immature and uh, we can we can go from there. Uh I want to touch on this game uh, because I I don't want to go insanely long because I have a super early flight to Orlando tomorrow. I'm meeting the team there. And I want to go over some stuff because there's a good amount to unpack from this. The Wizards are now 2-8, the same record they had a couple years ago. I was not covering the team a couple years ago, but I was covering the NBA. And I'll tell you this much, it, it doesn't feel like the same vibes as it did two years ago for a number of reasons, and we'll try to touch on them. Uh, what was your number one takeaway from this, though? Yeah, I uh, I definitely watched this game uh, with election results on my on my laptop, and so I, I think I was slightly less dialed in than uh, than than an average game. But but I was uh, I thought I thought Dallas was just you know I, I thought they took advantage of a, a team that was just worse and, and just played worse and in general. I thought Washington is you know looked about as dysfunctional as as they have been with obviously that two and eight record, and um, you know you you thought you would have. You know, relatively even amount of dysfunction with with Dallas. You know, they obviously both had the the same record headed into this game. You know, I, I think Dallas expected to have a better record. Certainly, Washington did. Um, but you know, for for Dallas, just kind of wipe the floor. That's that's uh, you know, they, obviously it was close for for bits of the second half. But but I, I never felt like it got so close that that Dallas was in in serious fear of of, of blowing it overall. Um, you know, it, it was just. Washington, uh, you know, just, just, you know, I, I never, I never thought that, you know, it, it you know, I, I guess what, I, yeah, I guess what I said, you know, I just, I, I didn't feel like it was ever all that close, and uh, that's a uh, not, not a great position for, for Washington to be in for, for what they think they are. 
the Wizards have struggled all season with transition defense. And they have had some moments where they have just not hustled or whatever it's been. And they've just gotten beaten down the floor constantly. And they're right near the top of the league. And they have been all season. And not just transition points allowed and fast break points allowed, but also transition possessions allowed, which I kind of think is more of an indicator to what kind of transition defense they are in that they, they turn a lot of possessions that could become half-court possessions into transition possessions because they either don't hustle down or they don't match up or whatever it is. There was a little stretch in the second quarter where Dallas was really starting to run away with it. They went up 44-26 to 26 at one point, 44-28, whatever it was, and they eventually went up 24 points, and they won the game by 19. There was a stretch in the second quarter, though, where the Wizards played as bad transition defense as they have all season. Dallas, now Dallas was really hot. Wes Matthews was crazy hot, and he was hitting every three. And Dallas had how many? 12 threes in the first half, I think it was. They were really yeah. hot. They were hitting a lot of shots, and some of them were difficult. But a lot of them were wide open. And if you look at this string of play after play after play of Dallas coming down, pushing the ball, whether it's Smith, whether it's Doncic, whomever, and the Wizards just not matching up. Guy's not talking. Guy's not saying, I got this guy. You know, there's the old adage, which Scott Brooks has dropped during during press conferences and media availabilities, you know, you guard a man, not your man in transition. You just got to find somebody and you pick them up and you worry about it from there. And if you have to deal with mismatches, you have to deal with mismatches because a mismatch is better than an open man. And the best transition defense is you pick up your man and you do that because of quick recognition, because of communication and because of hustle and, and IQ. And all of those things allow five guys to pick up their own man and they match up and they just force a team into not only half-court defense offense, but uncomfortable half-court offense. And that's the best transition defense. The Wizards are so many steps away from that. I mean, if you're a Wizards fan, you just want them to pick up anybody. Just like, a, just like pick up a fan. Like just guard a body. Like see a human being and be like, at least that's a human being. And there are moments, it's Brad, Bradley Beal had moments like that. Otto Porter had moments. Kelly Oubre had moments. John Wall certainly had moments. I thought he was really bad defensively in this game, and he's been bad defensively all year. It was uh, the transition defense during that second second half run where they are where Dallas is coming down and they are just finding guys for open threes, like not even off of second passes, off of first passes and first actions. It it's just not the way an NBA team plays. It's 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 just crazy to watch. I, I, when I hear transition, I, I still, you know, my, my first instinct is still that kind of the archaic, you know, a two on one opportunity and you, and you get a layup out of it or something like that. Um, but, but you're, you're totally right. You know, the, the biggest, uh, you know, factor, you know, the, the biggest, I'd say the best thing you can get out of it, you know, transition, if it isn't a wide open layup, you know, is an open three. And, and we've evolved to the point in the NBA basketball where, you know, if, if you have an open three, it doesn't matter if there's 20 seconds on the shot clock. A, a good shooter is going to take an open three every time. Uh, you know, Washington, I, I think most of Dorian Finney-Smith's, uh, he, he was three or four down the arc. And I want to say a couple of those were transition looks. Uh, at least one was. Um, you know, he, he's turned into a, a really solid spot-up shooter. But, but you know, that's what's going to happen. Even even someone who is a, you know, definitely has struggled with a shot. And, and you know, this season he's, he's a little bit better. You know those type players are going to start knocking down threes on you, and when that happens, uh, you know it's it's you know that's that's flood you know that's that's when floodgates open. That's that's uh, that's when things get really demoralizing, and, and it's hard to 
you know, when, when, you, when you are giving up, you know, double digit, uh, point games from, from bench, uh, wing players who are primarily known for their defense, you know, that's, that's when problems arise. And, and clearly that, that, you know, was, is, is exactly what happened for, for against Washington tonight. You know, what was a nice juxtaposition that this game provided. Just like a nice little contrast that you could just see. I do not know. Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so DeAndre Jordan is not the player that he used to be, especially defensively. But he's still an excellent rebounder, and he's still an, he's really an awesome screen setter. Like top yes. top five screen setter, in my opinion, especially on the ball. Like he's just a killer screen setter. And one of the things that he's so good at, and him and Doncic just have down. Like they're really good at it. It's really rare to see. I mean, Doncic is awesome, but it's it's really rare to see a rookie, not just with his skill level and with his ability. But with his patience in the pick and roll. And one of the things that he already has down with DeAndre Jordan, like 13 games in, is DeAndre will come up and he'll do, and he, and he would do this with Chris Paul all the time. He did it with, you know, the smattering of point guards that the Clippers had last year. DeAndre comes up, he sets a screen, he doesn't lay it, he comes around to the other side of the defender, sets a screen on the other side. And there are a lot of centers who are good at that. Gortat was great at that with Ball. Gortat and Wall were awesome at that screen, rescreen type of thing where it doesn't work the first time, you go around the second time. And Wall and Howard don't have that. Like, it's only been three games of Howard, but Wall and Howard don't have that. And Dwight has has not been known as a dominant pick and roll guy, uh, or I should say a willing, pick and, willingly dominant pick and roll guy. And Zach Lowe pointed it out. I don't know if you read Zach Lowe's piece uh, about the Wizards today. But Zach Lowe pointed it out, and it's very true. The Wizards are one of the only teams in the league right now who just kind of run high pick and roll, high pick and roll, high pick and roll. And it can work with John Wall if you have the right guys around him. But you need to execute that stuff perfectly. And it was really interesting watching a rookie forward who who has the skill set in the mind of a point guard, but a rookie forward have that down, you know, 11 games into his career so well with DeAndre Jordan and, and see two... You know, how many all-stars, how many all-star games do John Wall and Dwight Howard have combined for? I mean, double digits, 13, 12, whatever it is. See those two guys running it and not really have that down. And I just, I I, I, I don't know what that means, but it's got to mean something, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a disservice to, to John Wall, certainly, if, if, and you know, both both players, but, but you know, if, if Dwight committed to that, you know, that that's how John Wall is so effective because he, you know, he just needs a gap. You know, he, he needs to, you know, you know, uh, poke back and forth at the defense and, you know, side to side, you know, maybe maybe it's seven, eight, nine dribbles. But he's the type of player who you can give that leash to and, and that, you know, free reign to dribble dribble that many times because it, when he does see that opening, you know, he's so quick that he can just burst into the, into the lane and, and really exploit that. So... You know, it's, it's, it's not it's, it's not just Dwight though. Like I don't want to pin it on only Dwight. Like Wall Wall hasn't been all the way there this year, and he wasn't last year. The timing is not there, the patience in the offense is not quite there. Um and I, I think part of it is is certainly on him. Like he just like did you think Wall played well tonight? No, no. I I I'm with you. Good stats, but uh you know, relatively empty or, you know, just wasn't contributing to winning um, as much as the stats might have indicated. Yeah. 
and he did not. Man, he 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 got torched defensively. He did. He really got yeah. torched. That's another game where he he is getting killed against all these different kind of sets. He's he's one of the main culprits in not finding guys in transition. Uh, and I I wrote about that last week uh, after the Clippers game when they lost by thirty two and they just got killed in every way. And one of the clips that I pointed out in that in that story was John Wall and Jeff Green just randomly not picking up a guy in transition. I forget who it was. It was Harold. Uh, just not picking up a guy in transition when they were right there and giving the Clippers a fast break when somehow you give a fast break. A defense should never give up a fast break when it has more guys back than the offense. And somehow the Wizards are just doing it. It's it's baffling. It's baffling. How good is Doncic? He's he's that good. You know, I, I thought I thought kind of um you know I guess not quite Wall, but but you know, not quite exactly like Wall, but I thought Doncic, his impact on the game, you know, didn't seem as meaningful as, as I had seen in previous games. Um, but in this case, you kind of look at the box score and like, oh, wow, 23-6-3, you know, efficient shooting, um, led the team in scoring. So I, to me, that, that was a quiet game by his standards, just in, in the way that he kind of, you know, didn't exert control over the game at any point. It didn't feel like. Uh, but still was very productive in, you know, obviously contributing to winning. He just has such a wonderful cadence to his game. He does. Cadence is a good word for him. You know, he is, this is his fifth professional season. And it looks like that constantly. Yeah, it's it's funny watching him and Dennis Smith next to each other because they're so different. Like, they're just so different. Yeah, uh my my post game you know gamer was about Dennis Smith or, or focused more on him than anybody else and and you know his his future I think you know has some serious question marks whereas Luca's ten games in and, and you know right now you know the question is whether he's going to evolve into being a, a number one scorer number one option I think I you know he's very clearly already proven he's he's you know right now he's a capable you know very very solid starter you know number two starter type player on an offense and, and you know the only question is how high is going to rise uh, you know after this yeah Scott Brooks was very complimentary of him yesterday when we asked him about him he thinks he's going to be a star for for a number of years and I think it's probably hard to disagree with that now I think he's he is really good he is ridiculously I mean he's 19 it feels like because because we've been hearing about him and watching him in Europe for so long it feels like he's like one of those 25-year-old rookies who comes over and he's a teenager. Who's born in 1999. He's it's yeah, no. It it he's blown me away. You know, it's it's I thought he was the best player in the draft. I, I said it for months and and he's still, you know, he's definitely wowed me uh, you know, dozens of times since since the season started. Yeah, couple couple other things I want to touch on before we go. Scott Brooks said before the Knicks game uh, that he, he said this without specifically being asked about it. He just said it, uh, that he wants to get uh, Sadoransky more minutes. Sadoransky played six minutes tonight. He played 14 minutes against the Knicks. He's played 20 total minutes over those two games. He's averaging 13 or 14 a game this season. He's averaged 10 over the two since he said he wants to get him more minutes. Just a weird thing. Like, I don't even know how to analyze that. It's just weird that he said unprompted he wants to get Sadoransky more minutes and then didn't. I know Brooks has said in the past 
that he wants to get Sadoransky more minutes, and and he's never really gotten him a ton. But I mean, he played a good amount of minutes last year because Wall was hurt, and uh, I don't know, just weird that he brought it up unprompted and then uh, and then didn't do it. He went back to the all bench lineup tonight after saying that he was going to get away with it, uh, get away from it, uh, and then did get away from it with the Knicks. He staggered against the Knicks, and then again, all bench lineup. And the old bench lineup was like a minus six in the three minutes he played it, and then he used somebody else. But that that lineup got killed and kind of was part of that second second quarter slide uh, when they got rocked. Uh, anything else? Anything else stand out to you about this game before we wrap up? I think you did a good job of it. All right. Wow. What yeah. endorsement? I love I love Auto Porter. I'm a, call me an auto auto porter stand. Yeah, you know auto auto actually played really well tonight. He played a yeah. good game. He did. He was the, he, he was did. the best wizard tonight. He was. You you, you could say he was magical. <laughs> that, I, that I'm not saying I'm not saying you should say that, but but you could say it. You can say anything you want. Okay. He he was. He was the reason. I mean, we didn't really touch on this, but they came back and they played a, a nice third quarter and they outscored Dallas by 12. They were down 21 and they came back and, and made it a six-point game at the start of the fourth and then it kind of all unraveled from there. But a, a big part of that was because Otto was shooting the lights out and, and playing well and they were finding him. And what did he finish with tonight? 19? Is that right? 19, 19 points, 7 to 12 shooting, 5 of 6 uh, behind the arc. 5 assists, too. Yeah, two steals, I mean, two blocks, no turnovers. A really good stat line all the way around. Actually, the more I look at it, he he hasn't been making his shots early in the year, and it's weird because he's been one of the best shooters in the NBA, and that's going to change. Like he's going yeah. to make his shots. He's a fantastic shooter, so it's at least encouraging that Otto Porter went five or six from three, and maybe this kind of early season slump is is out of it. He had the toe injury, which kept him out of the next game. Seemed to be totally fine from a movement perspective tonight. He was moving fine on both ends. So that's encouraging. Um, plug your stuff before we finish up. Yeah, theathletic.com. You might have heard of it. Uh, go to Dallas, like backslash Dallas or backslash Mavericks, obviously, for, for that type of stuff. And then on Twitter, I'm, I'm Tim underscore Cato. Uh, C-A-T-O. Great. And if you're yeah. just randomly listening to this episode of Wizards After Dark because you're a huge Tim Cato fan and you don't really know anything about Wizards After Dark, I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can leave a review if you're really feeling generous. Reviews actually really help uh, with the iTunes ratings and that kind of stuff. So if you've enjoyed the show and you want to leave a review, that would be awesome if you left a nice one. I'd really appreciate it. Same thing with the five-star ratings. That really helps the show as well and all that. Uh, it would be awesome if you've enjoyed the show so far. I will be back on Friday. They play uh, Orlando, and they're in Orlando, and I will be there for that. They have a back-to-back. Their first back-to-back of the season. They got Orlando on Friday. They got Miami on Saturday. I will be at both those games. I'll be podcasting after both those games. This is a huge stretch for the Wizards. They've got five straight games against teams under 500, and after that they have, I think, seven straight against teams that are like legitimately good, like not just over 500, but like really good. Like we're talking Portland and Philadelphia and New Orleans and and really, really good team. Toronto, really good teams that they're going up against. And uh, these next five, I mean, if they want to come back from two and eight, you have to beat the Orlandos and the Miamis. They have two against Orlando in their next five. Um, 
they have the Nets and they have somebody else who's not good, who I'm forgetting. Uh, you have to win those games. You just you just have to win. Like you go to Dallas. I know it's on the road, but you have to win those games. You just have to. It's the same way they beat New York. If you want to come back from two and eight, the Wizards have put themselves in that position. So we will see what happens. They go to Orlando on Friday. I'll be there. I'll be podcasting. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. Try not to have too much fun in Orlando. <laughs> oh, I get, I get, I get crazy. Maybe I'll go to Disney World while I'm there. I'm there for a few days. It, it's world, not land. I always mix those up. I, yeah, land is in Anaheim, and world is there. Disney World, yeah, Orlando, Florida. Look at you. There we go. I You're practically Walt Disney. I had a 50-50 <laughs> chance, so I got there. You did. All right. One thirty in the morning, leaving for the airport real soon. I will see you guys on Friday.